Growing up, I was quite the shy kid. I was just always lacking a sense of confidence, and it made it hard to present in class and even make friends. That was until 10th grade when I realized I needed to make a change. So I started to force myself to talk to new people and present even when I didn't have to and didn't feel like it. Before long, I was full of confidence. I was so full of confidence that I thought I could do anything, including curate an art show. I mean, what kid thinks at 18 that they can curate an art show in New York City? Well, I believed I could, and I pulled it off somehow. Confidence can take you a long way if you're willing to let it. In today's episode, I speak with an artist who had to find their own confidence if they were going to find true happiness within this world. This is the My Artist Show podcast, a narrative journey into the lives that shape art. I'm your host, Jacob Johnson, and this is episode 30, Andrew Scott. Right after the break. If you're an emerging artist looking to have their art seen and be a part of a larger community, consider signing up for our new tier on Patreon called The Artist Package. It's a tier dedicated to providing support to emerging artists while also allowing us to improve this show. Check out the full package and all its details on patreon.com forward slash myartadrill. This podcast is fully independent and produced by me, Jacob Johnson. If you enjoy the show, please spread the word and let others know and consider leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, and back to the episode. Born and raised in Rochester, New York, Andrew Scott was known as the art kid. Um, like, I used to get home from, like, kindergarten and just go straight to my room and just draw. I think it was, like, that's how I was, that was kind of my, like, my outlet. Like, you get stressed and just draw. Um, and I, you know, I would just constantly be drawing. And it's interesting, like, because now I can't draw anything unless it's something, like I said, that has a a plot twist. I I don't I don't want to draw if it doesn't have something interesting going on. Um, But, you know, back in when I was younger, you just draw anything that you would see. And uh, yeah, I sort of that's how I got sort of my pencil mileage in was was at a young age, just kind of drawing anything I would see as a kid. Andrew was very shy and would use drawing as an escape from the real world. Yeah, yeah, I'd say like, you know, some artists, I think they draw a lot from their their struggles. And I definitely, the only struggle I had, I'd say, was just just being very introverted, um, which is where I think I turned to art early on at probably five years old. It's when I found my kind of like peaceful place in, in just drawing and diving into just this other world of you know creating things so were you able to make any friends growing up or was it always difficult no it was definitely that's definitely you know was always a challenge was i am i mean i think it's the case with a lot of artists but you i'm definitely a solitary person uh definitely was growing up and and art was definitely like an outlet and sort of like a companion you know you that's how I would spend my time growing up is drawing um, and diving into, into just this creative world. While art was a big part of Andrew's youth, as he got older, that need to draw faded away. He started to play sports and through that no longer needed the drawing to relax, but turned to basketball. I actually sort of stopped drawing around 13 or 14 um, for about probably until I was maybe 27 28 so i 
know, there was a stretch where I didn't draw at all, you know, half my life pretty much. And I, uh, when I started to get back into it, I, I would, I remembered, I'm like, do I have the skills to do this again? And I would think like, oh yeah, you were the art kid. Like you had it, you like you could do it. Art didn't simply fade out of Andrew's life. And suddenly at 27, he picked back up the pencil. For starters, it didn't ever truly leave. And this feeling to be creative was always with Andrew, lingering there, waiting to be needed. So when you were growing up, when you were getting ready to graduate, kind of what was your... Because I know it's always like, hey, you're turning 18, you're graduating high school, you got to decide what you're going to do the rest of your life, sort of, which is insane. But what were you thinking at that time? Well, I knew I wanted to do something creative. Um because I still identified as a creative person, whether or not I was even creating anything. So I went into advertising. And it's actually interesting because the reason I went into advertising and specifically copywriting was because I always loved print ads, like super visual print ads, like in magazines. Um, just like, you know, the ads where there, it's like a visual plot twist. There's some kind of clever visual communication. And I thought, I want to make print ads. And I don't know why I didn't go into graphic design or illustration, but I went into copywriting. And I was like, I want to make print ads. And it's interesting because I, I went into a writing career knowing that I wanted to create these visual ads. So it really didn't make much sense. I mean, like you said, you're 18, so you don't make the smartest decision. So I went in to, went for advertising at a local college here in Rochester. and. I knew that was a creative career that was also practical. Advertising jobs are easy to come by, um, but I could have an element of creativity. So that I knew that much, and that sort of was my focus, and 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 remained my focus for you know the next ten years really. Society often puts these expectations onto us, whether it be from teachers, friends, or family members makes us feel like we have to follow a path. Go to college, get a job, marry, have kids. You know that whole thing. Andrew was very much in line with this way of thinking. He thought once he had picked his path that that was all he could do and there was no changing it. And how was college for you? Was Were you outgoing then? Were you playing any sports then? Or was it just kind of, you know, show up to class, get your stuff done, graduate? More of that. Yeah. yeah same same thing same theme <laughs> just kind of <laughs> stick to myself and yeah so how are you how are you feeling at that time in life did you do, do you remember feeling happy or just kind of oh no no i think up until i don't know maybe five years ago i had always sort of felt like just floating along i didn't know i, I kind of felt like i didn't have much say in where i was going um, even in college, you know, when you're deciding where you're going with your life, I just felt like I had made my decision and I was just going to be going into advertising. And there was, even though I was like, you know, teaching might be a great job. I just didn't think I had the ability or I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't think I had, I could just switch things up and do that. I just was like, well, this is where I'm going and I'm just going to kind of float along with the current here. So that's kind of how I felt definitely at the time. Um, this was where I was going and I didn't have much say in it. Do you know why you felt that way? Why do you think you felt like you kind of didn't have a say like once you made your initial decision? I think 
that was just sort of a result of the way I had lived my life up until that point. I think it was, I think it was a self-esteem thing. I think I was always just very sort of kept to myself, didn't really, you know, attack or chase after things with, with passion and like fearlessness. I think I just kind of wanted comfort and um, just normalcy. And I just didn't really, I wasn't an assertive person. So I think it was really just more, you know, like a confidence thing. It was like, well, this is just kind of, you do, you make these small little moves. You don't do drastic things. You don't, you know, go for a big change and you keep things safe and what you're familiar with. So that's kind of, yeah, that's just kind of how I was, I was navigating through life at the time. And what was kind of your goal at that time besides graduate? Did you have like a, I don't know, like a timeline of like, I got to, okay, I graduate high school, I graduate college, I get a job, then I do this. Was that kind of how you were living? Yeah, that was it. It was like, next step, get a job. Um, next step, go to the, the nine to five advertising job. And that's, that was my goal. And that's what I did um, for a very long time. And I was definitely feeling um, sort of trapped in, in, and just, you know, I just felt very stuck in corporate America. Have you ever heard of the movie Office Space? I sure hope you have. Well, if you haven't, it's basically about a guy who feels trapped in this extremely mundane, repetitive office job and starts to try and break out of this corporate world. Well, Andrew is in a similar situation. He is trapped and didn't know how he was going to get out of this, or even if he could. In the beginning, working in the cubicle, he wasn't sure how to feel. And I, I eventually became sort of resigned to the fact that, like, that's just how it is. Um, you're just going to have to work this job. And and that's, I kind of accepted that. And I wasn't as sort of antsy. I mean, I, I like to I equate it to, like, breaking a horse. Like, when you get into corporate America, it's like... It's, it doesn't feel right when you you first start. You're like, man, really? I sit in this cubicle and I do this every day, forty plus hours a week. Like, it's just it eventually it becomes what you do and what you're what you are used to. We are about to enter Act Two of this story. Andrew is trapped and trying to find a way out. His desire to be creative has never left him, even if he put his pencil down all those years ago as a teenager. While this office job does seem boring most of the time, he does have projects that come his way that scratch that creative itch, and he goes from being the art kid to the idea guy. I would, you know, live for those moments where a job would come through and they'd be like, we need to come up with a campaign idea. And they'd be like, Andrew, you're, you're our conceptualizer. You're the idea guy. That's kind of, I was the art kid as a, you know, when I was younger. In advertising, I was the idea guy. Everyone knew I was best with ideas. Um, that was the one part of the job where I was really into it. Not so much, not making you know ideas for art, but it was ideas. Still, just these big ideas that I just, I really. That was the part of the job I loved, but it was never enough. So I did feel unfulfilled, um, and I, in those moments, were kind of few and far between, where you would have that fun aspect of the job where you could just sit down and concept and brainstorm and dream and kind of jot things down. And, and the, the cool thing is I think I really worked that conceptual 
ideation side of my brain in that job for so many years where I think creativity is like a muscle where you, you can get better at it and stronger with it and the more you work it out. And I think it, that really did shape me as a conceptualizer and someone who can think of ideas. And, I, I, and then when I applied that to the art world, um, I think that was kind of where my strength really, really aligned. So I am grateful for that, that time in that job because it did help me shape the, the conceptual side of my brain. Like Andrew said, the small burst of creative projects wasn't enough to satisfy that itch. So he ventured into some freelance work for various nonprofits, helping them come up with campaigns and posters. So I actually started to do pro bono, I was calling it, work for just different um, nonprofits where I would pitch like poster campaigns. And then I would work with artists to create them. So it was like um, African Conservation Foundation. I think it was. And we did a a poster campaign about certain species that were about to go extinct. So we there was um I can't remember the specific species, it was some sort of rhino, some sort of elephant, some sort of gorilla. And I worked with this crazy talented 3D illustrator who who turned he created these really complicated um and intricate balloon animals representing each of these species and then we had like a needle a hand with a needle coming into about to pop it so it was just sort of this poster campaign of these crazy like these really cool looking balloon animals and then with some message about you know gone in an instant um things like that and while it was more fun for him to work on andrew still wasn't the one creating the images Um, so I started to try to scratch that itch by going outside of my day job and working with artists and illustrators to sort of create these visual communication forms of visual communication. That was really like, that was my outlet. I was like, this is kind of scratching that itch. It was kind of interesting because I never considered just doing them myself because I hadn't in so long. So I was literally working with other artists to scratch my own itch that I, and I hadn't put it together that like I just need to do this myself um I just felt like I couldn't I felt like I had chosen my path as a writer I had abandoned drawing for you know 14 years and it just wasn't it wasn't I couldn't just do it this went on for some time for Andrew constantly trying to find a balance between his day job and his creative itch soon life would throw him a curveball that would throw him off his plan and force him to shake things up COVID hit and this job he had spent so much of his time working for had to let him go. Finally, when, when COVID hit, I was furloughed from my agency. And I was definitely very disillusioned with advertising. I was very upset because I was, you know, I didn't know what I was being thrown into during COVID without a job and no guarantee of return. And I was like, you know, I never liked advertising. Why don't I try to start drawing again? And I was, you know, for a couple months, I was going to be on unemployment. And I'm like, I have the time. So why don't I just start to draw again? So I started to draw. I started to take courses to kind of like, you know, knock off the dust. And it turns out that COVID was not the only thing that gave him the push to start taking his life back into his own hands. I don't want to get like super into personal details, but it was, I think, around 27. I 
had just come out. I came out of a marriage. I was divorced at 27, sort of, you know, overcoming um, a real um, sort of habitual drinking and just feeling very trapped and, and knowing I was at a low point in my life. And I had started to draw at that point, but um, it was really going through, you know, steps of like recovery from drinking and, and being sober for a while and building up my confidence and getting back out into the world and out of this marriage that I was in. And it was really then that I started to realize I had control over my life. And, and I, you know, I, I wasn't just floating along. I, I, I was, I had the ability to choose what I could do with my life. And it was really a combination of that, that sort of gave me that confidence and, and, and I'd say I started to make goals beyond art, um, even at that time and, and, and meeting those goals and just working through things personally, I think art was sort of the, I guess, sort of the, one of the benefits of that, making those changes within myself. I think the art thing kind of, it wouldn't have happened. I don't think it would have, it would have happened if I didn't sort of work on myself and, and build up my own you know, confidence and realize like I could, I could choose things. I could choose to become an artist. I could choose to set goals to, to be in a gallery. Like, I think that's really, it was a personal change that enabled the artistic goals to be met as well. What was holding him back for so long was not having the confidence within himself. You might not believe it, but Confidence alone can take you far and often ends up being the singular defining factor on if you actually achieve your goals. A lot of artists stress about putting their work into the public eye to begin with and worry that it won't be well received. But gaining that confidence to show your work to the world is the only way you ever know for sure if you can be an artist. Finally, Andrew is gaining confidence and is back with his pencil in hand. But what path will he take now? Yeah, I just started to get into it. And I initial my initial goal was to get into editorial illustration. Um, and that was sort of what I was pursuing for maybe six or so months. And I started uh, you know, posting stuff on Instagram and they were not my current channel, but uh my earlier one. And um it was just editorial stuff. There was a lot of political unrest at the time, so I think a lot of it was just motivated by that. So I was just, you know, coming up with visuals in that vein. Um and yeah, so I was doing that for, you know, six months. And then I started to talk to editorial illustrators and get a sense for the industry. And I'm like, you know, this is just going to be another advertising job again, where it's just, it's, it's corporate America. You're, you have to be doing what someone else wants you to be doing. And I was like, why don't I just make art for fun? So I just decided to just go back to my like initial style, just with a pencil and graphite and just kind of like just go from there and i i started to do that he saw what was going on and knew he wouldn't be happy in that advertising world okay great a step in the right direction for him to find happiness so he started to post his drawings to instagram and was getting great responses and before long would be featured in an exhibition i mean i think i was maybe a couple months into doing that and i there was someone reached out and there's like, Hey, you should probably enter your piece into this local show. Um, this small works show some in some little town nearby. And I, um, I submitted a piece, two pieces into that. 
and they both got accepted. And I remember at the time that was like meant the world to me getting into this this little gallery show. Um, and then they did like uh, an award, you know, jurors choice invested show in that. And I remember thinking like, man, this piece I have in there, like it's such a good idea. People will love it. Um, and I'm like, if the juror has a good sense for like, what a good idea, I got a chance. And then I, I uh, like juror's choice or something. And I remember just like being like, man, that was like sort of the validation I think I needed because early on getting back into illustration and art, you know, I, I wasn't super confident. I just, I didn't really know how I would stack up to other artists and, and see, and getting that validation of like, we liked your piece. That was probably our second favorite piece in the show that really lit the fire under me to be like, maybe I could do this. And I, I just went from there and really just kind of started going into it. And, and I just fell in love with it. Um, as soon as I started making, making art instead of, you know, editorial illustration. First, Andrew picked back up the pencil. Then he got the confidence to put the work out there. And now he has gotten enough support from others to know that, hey, maybe this art thing can be something for real. Of course, the bills have to be paid. So while he was making his art and having fun doing it, he did take a job back in advertising to keep the lights on. So when you went back into advertising, but you had this art on the side, were you feeling less trapped because you had this outlet now? Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt I did that creative itch like I was describing earlier. It, I I didn't, I was scratching it. I didn't feel that sort of like antsiness and discontent um, because I had this other outlet. So I was able to kind of get that out of my system. It really does, for me, like creating does feel like almost like this, just, it's just this thing that you need to get out of your system or else it's going to like eat you alive. So like for me, not doing art for so long was killing me. Um, so yeah, when I was pursuing art on the side, while working, I, I did feel a little more content, I'd say, um, just knowing like, OK, I can get through this. Um, you know, my day job has its perks. I do get to come up with ideas from time to time. Um, but yeah, and now I get to do this, you know, my true passion outside of work. So I definitely felt more balanced and, and content. So were you having goals to make your own art your full time job? I don't think I was super optimistic about i mean i it was always a dream once i got back into drawing to draw for a living um but it was never it was like a very it was very much a dream it wasn't something that i thought was ever going to happen um so i think i was just sort of you know again resigned to the fact that like okay i work in advertising and it is what it is um but i did know i did have a supreme confidence in my ideas like i knew my technical skills weren't where they needed to be but i was like i really did and it's gonna sound cocky but i did think like when it comes to ideas i could go toe-to-toe with like some of the my favorite artists out there like i i can think of ideas that's always the one thing i'm super confident in so i knew i had something that was in i i knew i had some kind of again i don't sounds obnoxious but i felt like it was a world-class sort of skill. the ideas which is weird to say at the time just because i had no reason to to think that because i had no outside validation telling me that i had great (laughs) ideas but i just felt it i just was like man i got something here so there was a little bit of 
me that believes that I could turn it into something, I think. Um, and then, yeah, so I just continued to work on my art as a hobby. Um, and it was sort of like you'd set little goals here and there. My first goal was to do a public show, did that. The next goal was to do a solo show. I did that. Whoa, whoa, wait. He got a solo show? That's a pretty big deal, actually. How was it getting that first solo show? I know that must have felt great. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, it was. It came off of you know winning that juror's choice at the one show, and then I had posted about it, and someone had seen that, and they just offered me their space downtown in Rochester at like the little space that no one's had a art show at. They were just like, well, "Do you have an empty space if you want to fill it for you know a couple months?" So I sort of like it was. They just gave me the space, and I just kind of like tried to do my own promotion for the show. And I remember I bought my own you know, vinyl to put on, to put it on the window of the thing to make it seem legit. Like this is a real show. And I'm trying to, you know, promote it with the other galleries around to try to really, you know, it was sort of like, I needed to sort of initiate everything myself. Cause it was just sort of like, they threw me the space and they weren't going to like do much else other than that. But I was super excited. Cause I was like, man, I can just literally, I can do whatever I want with the space. And like I said, I was, that's where I was like, man, what could I do knowing that I had to fill the space and I had to put these frames here and here? Like, what could I do where the frames are interacting with each other or something like that? So that's really having that space is what unlocked that new direction. Did you catch that last part here? Let me repeat it for you. What could I do where the frames are interacting with each other or something like that? So that's really having that space. Is- this is the part I couldn't wait to get to. This idea to manipulate frames of his works is what changed everything for Andrew, and it's even how I found his art in the first place. But what he didn't realize was subconsciously he was breaking these characters out of the frames that were put within, just like he was breaking out of the path he had followed for so long. His goal in his art had always been to have what he calls a visual plot twist, but this was the first time he was experimenting with making the visual plot twist more interactive. I don't even know what sparked it. Exactly. But I just had the idea of having two frames next to each other um, in this sort of the subjects interacting with each other, where they're trying to like get to each other through the frames or I hadn't really quite thought it through all the way. But I was I was sort of like, oh, I really want to have these frames interacting somehow, because to me, that was like sort of the ultimate you know, visual plot twist. And from there, I it became like. You know, initially I was going to have the two subjects interacting across frames, which honestly, I never even kind of cracked that idea. But it led to, you know, me thinking like, actually, how could I have the subject just interacting with the frame itself? And then and then some I I think I initially was thinking would be, you know, I'd have a character kind of interacting with with the side of the frame. And then I don't know what sparked it, but I was like, maybe I could have it breaking the glass. Then he shared one of these glass-breaking works online, and it just went viral. Yeah, yeah. So the the first one that blew up was the, um, I posted my original um, slingshot uh, with the kid, the slingshot. And that, that really took off. I posted it as, you know, a video. And I, ac- I actually accidentally posted it as a reel. I didn't even use reels at the time. And I, I was trying to post the video, and I selected reel, I guess. And it started to go viral and i um you know i was like okay now 
the thing that I was really into, this frame stuff, also apparently is very popular if I just post the process of it. So I just kind of dove headfirst into like, how many ways can I do this? Um, so I, yeah, the pickaxe was pretty early on where I, I broke the bottom of the frame and kind of hid the, uh, the rest of the pickaxe underneath the lip of the frame and broke the lip off so that it revealed the rest of the pickaxe just sort of creating that illusion. So that was definitely a super popular one early on. So He knew as soon as it went viral, they need to capitalize on this moment in case it never happened again. When you started having these artworks kind of go viral, what was that like? How did you feel? It was crazy. Um, it was definitely, well, it was interesting because, like I said, I had that irrational confidence. And I honestly, when I first posted the broken glass piece with as just an image, I think that was like in 2020. And it only got like, I don't know, 80 likes at the time. The reaction that this video got was more in line with what I thought that was going to get back when I did that. So I was like, all right. I validated. I like people do think my ideas are great. I've always thought my ideas are great. So it felt very validating, very exciting. And then it was sort of, sort of just a whirlwind. I mean, I was, it was a very strange feeling to watch it sort of unfold. And then I just knew like I had another piece that I had created a little earlier with a kid sliding down the, the edge of the frame. And I was like, I got to post that again. And I just got to figure out a, an interesting way to bring it to life in a reel. So I, I hung the piece up on the wall and I had it sort of jerry-rigged. So I was going to come in with um, some metal snippers and, and flip the wire. And I did that and the thing swung down and I posted that and that started to do well. And, and then I just really was like, I'm going to keep doing these reels and riding this wave. And um, I just sort of, yeah, it was a whirlwind. It was hard to sleep. I was very anxious just because I was, I knew I had an opportunity and I knew I needed to sort of seize the moment. I was like, I, if I kind of stop, I think I'm, this opportunity is going to pass me by if I don't put the necessary attention and energy. So I knew I had, that was sort of my, my moment to, to make this art thing happen. So I just really went after it. Yeah, I haven't really stopped since. And so are you a full-time artist now or do you still have a another job no i am happily a full-time artist now um so when did that happen how long into making art again did it take for that to happen well i honestly didn't start seriously considering it on um until july um but i didn't actually take the leap until about two weeks ago so i am really a full-time artist yes was that nerve wracking? Like, how did you feel leaving the job? That kind of security blanket. That was definitely scary. And it definitely adds a new pressure to making art. But the overarching, like the overall feeling I have is just excitement and gratitude. And I am just so ready and have been just drawing and, and making ideas and having the space, the mental space and energy to just commit fully to art has been it is a dream come true for sure. So I'm loving. What are you, what are kind of your goal? I know you had goals before of do a solo show, that sort of thing. What are some goals right now? Right now, I'm just sort of, I'm trying to find my routine. Uh, the freedom to just be able to, to draw and create is incredible. I'm probably working harder now than I was when I was working two jobs, just because I'm just sort of, 
I have this freedom now where I can just do it whenever I want. And I am doing it all the time because I love it. But my only goal right now is to just, uh, I'm focused on a show for next year with Stowe Gallery. I did one in June of this year. And I'm just sort of putting pieces out there and creating pieces. And, and I'm going to take sort of a body of work, make that available at my show in uh, June with Stowe. Um, so my goal right now is just sort of on that show next summer. And it's just going to be an online show like it was last year through Stowe Gallery. Um, so that's sort of my focus right now is just creating the best pieces for that show. It was confidence and self-belief that allowed Andrew to break free of that corporate box he was stuck in. Still, he doesn't regret the time he spent working in advertising as it has given him the time necessary to build that ability to create cool concepts. Before, when Andrew was drawing as a kid, it had no real meaning. It was all just for fun and to have an escape. Now, his art is so much more. It's an outlet to express himself and a way to convey meaningful messages. And of course, it became a way for him to pay his bills at the same time. If you're feeling trapped in your day-to-day life, I hope you can find comfort in the story of Andrews and know that there's always something that can be done. You just have to gain the confidence to try. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Marjorie Podcast. This podcast is produced, edited, recorded all by me, your host, Jacob Johnson. Support for this episode comes from our Patreon page. If you enjoyed the stories of the artists I tell and want to help me grow this show and increase its quality, please consider signing up for our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash myartisreal. I couldn't do this without all of you. Thank you.